0: everybody so episode two is done and we have it here for you i just want to do another quick introduction um there's a lot of just informational groundwork in this episode um much longer for sure but mostly about me and some of my history but it's uh, as hard as it is to talk about for me it's just kind of necessary information and um necessary to gain an understanding of kind of what direction we're going and why we're setting out to do this podcast so um hope you enjoy it and here we go i found a place where the past was forgiven where
1: my mistakes met a grace i couldn't earn and so I piled up my excuses and defenses in the night. Then I lit a night, step back and watch them burn from the real to the Mount Santi through the great deal I know the waters me. I need you to carry me.
2: Welcome to the Rough Hewn Grace Podcast. I'm Meredith. And I'm Paul. And today is episode two, and the title is Just Paul, because today is all about uh, his history and his past and his feelings, where he's at now. Um, I will be asking him some questions, but we're really going to be diving into topics that I would say are not suitable for children. So if you have children under the age of 13 definitely listen to this before sharing it with your kiddos um yeah so i don't know it's it's a deep topic and it's not something that we've talked about a whole lot outside of our marriage with i mean the exception of a few people but how are you feeling about talking today
0: um I don't know. It depends on what kind of questions you have for me.
2: (laughs) Um, I only have a few to get started. And I mean, there are things that I guess I already know, but I feel like are pertinent to the topic. And I don't know, just kind of like good stepping stones, but nothing, nothing really crazy. I don't feel like. I guess I'll give you the option to veto if you don't want to answer one right now. (laughs) We can always table a question for a later episode, too. Um, So I'm just going to jump in here. Um, My first question, I wrote down like four questions. My first question was, at what age did you start looking at or watching porn? And I give those two options because you feel like you came of age right around the time when pornography was... Coming on to... Like, it wasn't even out yet when you were a kid. There was no internet yet. It was magazines and... Right. I don't know. Television, I guess.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, honestly. I don't even remember. But I would imagine sometime in high school.
2: Yeah. What year would that have been? Late 90s?
0: Late 90s, so...
2: You old man. 95,
0: 96,
2: 97, or ninety-eight. Okay. Well, I lied. There was internet 84. then, but yeah. did you guys have internet at home? Um,
0: I think my senior year we did. Wow. Well, the
2: dial-up. Dial-up.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. We had it at school. Obviously, that wasn't sure contributing to this at all. No. But um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't remember exactly.
2: You didn't have any exposure to like Playboy magazine before then. Hmm. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm sure that I did, but I don't have just like that time yeah. in my head where I could tell the story of...
2: No
1: distinct memory of it. was that one day. Right.
0: At my friend's house. <gasps> I mean, I remember a one day at my friend's house in high school, but it was, um, what were the tapes before VHS?
2: Before VHS? Mm-hmm.
0: Beta. They had,
2: they had tapes before VHS.
0: I think it was called a Beta,
2: Beta oh Player. Gosh. Uh I've never heard of that. They're like little... VHS tapes. Oh my
0: gosh! Or bigger, no, smaller. Are you sure? Oh yeah.
2: They went from smaller to bigger. Yeah, let me check it out. I feel like this is a crazy tangent we're on, but I'm interested to see what these things looked like. And I feel like you, uh, your, our two year age difference just became like larger because you know of this ancient. It sounds like an eight track.
0: It's like the eight track of video. (laughs) Betamax. I knew it was called Betamax. Betamax.
2: Oh my gosh, There you go, there's one for sale on eBay. Okay, but why would they... Never mind, that's... Somebody with a tech podcast, if you could please explain to me why we went from a smaller tape cassette to a larger one. you um,
0: got to pay 140 bucks to get a Betamax
2: now. But I could what watch Star thing? Trek on it and be a total nerd.
0: I'm not sure if that was even the, the very first I one would, that I watched, but it might have been.
2: How would your friend have gotten a Betamax tape? Like, they obviously had to have parents or a parents. family member.
0: You knew where they were staying. Oh. They were stashed.
2: Yeah. Okay, so, to all you parents out there who may or may not be keeping pornographic materials in your house, I would just go ahead and assume your kids know where it is or will know soon and probably sooner than you expect. Um, I ran into Playboys on a handful of occasions at my friend's house. Her dad, like, Kept a stack of fifty by his nightstand. I mean, just like out, like it was just like out there in his bedroom on his nightstand, mm-hmm. and um, and then in Girl Scouts we came across a stash. People were donating stuff to our uh, garage sale, and we came across a stash of not Playboy, but Playgirl. And let me tell you, Playgirl to a bunch of middle schoolers, we were like, holy crap, that was uh, that was an eye opening day for. I'm pretty sure most of us but those were the only i mean that was it until like college so anyway late 90s mm-hmm. teenage years yeah pretty normal i mean not that it should be normal but it seems to be um at what point do you feel like porn became an addiction for you
0: um i mean became i don't know i guess it it, it is. I, I don't know. So, you know, I've, I've gone through most of my life thinking that it's not a real thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at other people that um, say they have a, you know, they're a sex addict or a porn addict or whatever and just scoffing, mm. rolling my eyes that doesn't exist type attitude towards it so
2: i remember those days
0: well sure and i think that in order to understand when the addiction started is probably not even something that i can say Mm. you know it's probably more of a a deep dive into really tapping into my brain of how it works and Mm. You know, say this episode is about Paul. I mean, a lot of it's connected to other. We don't really know you have that type of a personality until it's too late.
2: And it's already happened.
0: Yeah. So it's not just You're porn. I mean, it was all anything that was. Not anything, but so many of the things that we're drawn to are things that are so taboo, especially growing up in the church. Right. So this is just this is just part of that. You know you're not supposed to, but you likely will never stop until something very bad happens. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty common occurrence thread through all addiction right? and all things. So I don't really know when that started. I mean, I, th- there was never a time where, you know... It, it, it's not something physical where you have you know I mean if you're even you know alcoholic or or heroin I mean, when you stop you have an enormous amount of withdrawals and mm-hmm. it's a physical thing it's not like that mm. um, you can you can come and go but I, I mean but pretty early on pretty pretty quickly after that I remember um, always kind of needing or wanting more it's pretty normal. Activity for young adult, high school age kids, um, guys,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, you know, kind of go back in those days, it was going to the back room of the video store mm-hmm. and pick up a couple of videos. Um,
1: how did you get I'm trying to remember that? how
0: we got our hands on. I mean, I, and I just I, I remember in in high school later on after the Betamax introduction (laughs) Um, just instances of of, you know it's like everyone else seemed to have some limitation around it where then I just really didn't and so um, and I've seen that happen to other people with say like alcohol like I've I've actually really always been the one that had a pretty good limit you, you've said to me before, you know, just, like, I just never see you drink much or drink too much. And that's really been not a struggle for me. This has always been different where... Um,
2: Couldn't limit the consumption.
0: For whatever reason, yeah. Or, or would even look at things in a different way, you know, where I, I would... I um, was willing to make sacrifices that hurt me in order to... Mm find um, find more time to either you know watch porn or even chase in, in real life you know I'd, I'd sacrifice a lot to to cross the finish line so to speak where um, a lot of people weren't willing to be as patient as me even mm. to, to get to that place. So I don't know. Um, it's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, and really the the other areas that I could see it, you know, being addictive behaviors is in weird places, you know, just. I mean, I still see even stuff like biting my nails is that, you know, it's like it's almost like a nervous right. behavior. It's mm-hmm.
2: a. It's compulsive. It's
0: compulsive. Yeah. yeah it's like... Um,
2: it's it's like compulsive and addiction. They can go together or they can be separate. But in this case, it was almost compulsive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I'd say the, the worst of it becoming normalized was, you know, you're single, mm-hmm. young adult, living on your own, no limitation whatsoever. Right. The internet is very much in play. I actually did get into, like... I mean, back in the chat room days, that was a big, pretty big part of my life for a while there too, hmm. just where that, it almost becomes like real, it's kind of taking it from the computer into real life, but I mean, nothing ever really came of it, but that was a big piece of just driving, um, fueling the fire, I guess you could say of.
2: Stoking it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of, of making it real instead of a fantasy, so to speak.
2: Yeah, chat rooms. That was yeah. like a minute on AOL. Mm-hmm. I hooked up with a guy from high school that I hadn't seen in years. There you go. Early 20s. Because that was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. You just randomly hook up with people. I don't know why that became so normalized. Um, so something I, I thought of while you were talking, and I don't want to deep dive into it now, but I think we should definitely get to in a different episode is go back to the first time when you really feel like you felt lust Mm. and how was lust handled? How was it talked about with you in your childhood? Because it wasn't talked about with me, but all of this stems from lust. And that's a huge thing that we as humans deal with both men and women. And it's not talked about much in the church. Like people get married and then they don't lust anymore. <laughs> and then before they're married, they're too young to lust, and nobody wants to talk about it. But lust is huge. It's massive. We deal with it all the time, and that's, you know, spinning out in lust kind of leads to this. So anyway, moving on to my next question, um, and this is well, – Oh, I
0: thought you were going to actually ask them about that. Oh, oh, oh. we do going to have to deep dive, but I can tell you that.
2: At what point did the sexual addiction with porn no, shift into – Oh, i
0: are talking about lust.
2: Oh no, I didn't want to do that. no, yeah. I
0: drove some of that like early, oh, yeah. so I I remember so here's what I remember of it cuz my okay. memory's I mean a bit fuzzy as far as timeline and then how it was making me feel. I mean Cause it's you're like old. yeah, cuz I'm old now <laughs> and things were just happening then. But I remember um being young like before high school, so 12, 13,
2: like Kay's age.
0: Yeah, on mm-hmm. like on Sunday if I was supposed to be watching football, mm-hmm. I usually wouldn't. Hmm. Because there was two shows on on Sunday afternoons that would fill that bucket of Mm -hmm. lust. Mm -hmm. One of them was Baywatch. Yep. And so.
2: Filled my lust bucket too. All those hard mm, washboard apps. Pamela
0: Anderson was (laughs) the person there. Seriously. And then another one was a show called Acapulco Heat. It was a horrible show, I'm sure.
2: Oh, my goodness. Stop it. But
0: it just, I mean, it was, it was, I was young. And that's, Uh, that was, I mean, to set a. Precedent into that conversation of lust. No, sure. Um, for later. I mean, I, I know, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, 27 years ago, 28 that's crazy. years ago. And that's I remember crazy. those shows and I remember it being the first time of really having those feelings, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. Of almost, you know, it's almost uncontrollable when you're a male pre oh, adolescent. Right. With all the hormones, forget about adolescent, it. Adolescent, whatever, adolescent, yeah.
2: It's basically soft porn without any kind of sex. Yeah. Is basically what it is. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And then the door would open and I would change it to the lion's skin
2: Right. Of course. So that mom wouldn't know. Right. Um, Sorry, mom. <laughs> right. So at what point did the sexual addiction, or I guess I should say lust, at what point did lust, did the lust addiction with just porn shift into other areas? I know you touched on it a little bit with chat rooms, but I mean, when did it, When did it morph into something bigger than this? Do you know?
0: What do you mean by bigger?
2: I mean, because it's, of course, started with porn, Mm -hmm. as did our marital issues, which started before our marriage. Um, But when did you move your sexual addiction? When did it it grow from just viewing pornography to, like, strip clubs or other things? Mm.
0: When did it or how did it?
2: I I mean both.
0: Um, I suppose How just by I, I think I mean trying to think of strip code's pretty early on mm. yet. I've been mean, trying to think of
2: like, late teens,
0: early 20s? Been, no, I mean, late teens, definitely. Mm. There might have been 17 and over. What? Ones that were oh. Tamer. I don't...
2: In Kalamazoo? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Kalamazoo's got a couple, but... Or they did. I don't really know, but... Um, You know, they kind of go hand in hand. As I got older, and things weren't really working as as I wanted them to, so it's mm. so it's all intertwined mm-hmm. here. With um, you know, I dropped out of college. That was a total fail, mm. and then I had to move to a totally different part of the. Um, I was going to say world but not really world but just a, a different area of the Midwest going from southwest Michigan into Chicago was a, a difference doing that transition all at that time I had an accident where I cut my finger really badly mm. mm-hmm. kind of sat in the basement for a couple months couldn't oh, go anywhere perfect opportunity um, just a lot of build up of you know, un, unmanaged feelings really,
2: like dropping out of school, cutting off your finger, feeling like right. you're failing in a lot of areas. So you
0: say, like when it shifted to other areas. I mean, it's just gradually, um, a lot of. A lot of things that. Were going wrong. Hmm. That where you just start to not give a crap as you go further down and so um then you discover more so it's a it's like growing up how i grew up you don't even realize what's really available
2: right but but then the world
0: opens and the further down you sink and the 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 further you get into that um kind of normalizing but still hiding like you just become a professional hider and you get so good at at um, kind of navigating your life in two completely different ways, oh,
1: right?
0: And so there's a there's a progression and a regression usually that happens. So it's like kind of as you see your self regressing, the bad things are progressing, right? So then that's kind of how it went through my early twenties. Like I just. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a constant regret of not really doing what I had set out to do. Mm-hmm. It was kind of depressing. And so, this filled a, a void, so to speak. Okay. And then, you know, I, I didn't have any real deep relationships at that time either from a, from a dating perspective. So, I, that didn't help. Or just never created a, a true kind of appreciation for dating or finding a a wife or anything like that and I, and i almost didn't want you know i mean both my sisters were married really young and have great relationships and husbands and i just wasn't i just didn't want to and so it was a little bit of rebellious nature there too you know
2: didn't know you had it didn't you um. <laughs> okay um so there's, I mean, there's more into those other areas that you can dive into yourself later. Um, the next next question I wrote down to ask was, up until November 10 of 2021, which for everybody listening is the, the day that Paul told me everything that had been going on, everything that had gone on, to the best of his memory, um, up until that point in our marriage. So, up until November 10th, 2021, was there a single year of our marriage that you were faithful to me?
0: Define faithful.
2: Take porn out of the equation and leave everything else.
0: Oh, yeah. But when it comes to porn, no.
2: Right. Okay. How were you able to lead... A life like that and this is probably going to open up a big topic for a different episode but I think it's important because I understand it now having had it explained to me Um, but how were you able to do all the things that you were doing outside of our marriage and until you did say something how were you able to do that and just like act like it wasn't happening
0: yeah so very early on there's nothing so there's whatever you want to call them, different channels with walls, um, lanes, buckets, waffle, (laughs) you know, the waffle, squares. Mm -hmm. However it's described, there's separation there. There's compartmentalization compartmentalization that just starts to happen. And it's especially for just somebody like me with a personality like me. It, It comes pretty naturally because I'm, I'm I'm not open, mm, mm-hmm. so there's already things that don't even need to be hidden that are hidden because mm-hmm. I'm just a private yeah. person. I'm not open anyway, so it's just it's easy. The way I speak, the way that I navigate life is to avoid any real look into me because if you know, then you won't you won't like that person anyway. So it's it's, it, it was very early on, not easy, but mm. normal for me to be seen as a pretty clean, um, I don't want to say goody-two-shoes, but just a good, you Myer know. Boy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe less and less as I moved to Chicago and, and was had less of that type of a good style reputation for a minute Mm -hmm. and so I didn't um didn't go into there quite like that but um they don't touch so so marriage is not right but just I mean this you asked how was Mm -hmm. I able to do that right marriage was just another lane or another square in the waffle it wasn't it didn't combine anything it added more space but it didn't it doesn't combine the two lives it didn't um, unfortunately didn't change anything Now, now I think my age and just even, you know, changing as a human being from, a, you know, when you're young and you have all the energy in the world that contributes to, to just more action in all things. Right. Mm-hmm. And just more, I mean, when you're out more and staying up later, I mean, that, that was always, that will always be, when things were at their worst, is when I was able to even keep up with whatever it was I wanted to feed mm-hmm. the beast with, so to speak, right? So it's like it toned down, but it didn't tone down, unfortunately, because of relationship or because of marriage, just because getting older and it's like <laughs> I ain't got time for that shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Something like that.
2: So you're saying it would have been worse had we gotten married young?
0: Maybe. Right.
2: I mean, like I've, I've said previously, boy, I wish we had met each other younger. Yeah. And you said I was not the same person.
0: No. Well, I wasn't the same. And and nobody is. And no, of course not. No, I wasn't the same person. I mean, I, I, I at, at the very least, there was a, a, a form of guilt mm. regardless of whether or not it kind of created a situation where i felt like i had to tell you that took still took years right right um because it's just automatic to hide it and then and then it's anticipation of what the reaction is going to be and Mm -hmm. then just kind of perpetuates the the same cycle back right into place it's like there's a fear element there's a fear element now there's an enormous fear element sure um But there's just no connection. You completely disconnect. You completely disconnect. You can do it from a second to the next second. And I just have a really good... (laughs) It's not a good skill to have, but I have a really um, high skill set in... Holding buckets at bay, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I could be up to the brim over here on a lot of different things and you'd never know it. Um, depending on, of course, situation, who I'm dealing with, who the person is, but just... There was never a time where I felt convicted.
1: Mm-hmm. Like always to
0: in... Instead felt the need to be kind of always aware of how to hide, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is a weird place. But the habit was more than that. Right. The habit was uh, don't get caught.
2: Right. Right. Cover your tracks
0: right so that's the obsession almost
2: getting away with it
1: hmm
0: yeah but just the 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 work because i'm a i'm a so it it, it plays into my personality because i'm a planner i cross a lot of t's dot a lot of i's so it's like it's easy
2: you liked planning the getting away with it sure and the setting up of it
0: mm-hmm. It becomes part of routine and then when it's since it's part of routine it's a lot harder to get caught not you're not sloppy
2: so we're starting to we're starting to refer to the infidelity as it, which sounds very amorphous and vague. So I think the next step really would be um, the reason we started this podcast was not because you had a porn addiction.
0: No, no, it is not. Um, so there's a lot more to talk about, and you said that early on in our relationship, you felt. Uh, pretty strongly that something was just off.
2: Yeah, I would say that within the first couple of months of us being together, it all of a sudden, the, the, our, our sexual relationship was just gone. And I was like, well, wait, <laughs> what just happened? Um, and there wasn't any clear answers. And then eventually, but I don't know, just a feeling that... Eventually, it became a feeling that I was being lied to or things were being hidden from me. Something certainly wasn't right. I would say it was just a general feeling that something's wrong, something's off, something isn't adding up. And I just had a sneaking suspicion that there were things that if I looked hard enough, I was going to discover. And some of the time, sometimes that I felt that way, I chose not to do any kind of digging Um, and then it just got to the point where I couldn't not dig
0: sure so um, you know before being married of course I had been in serious relationships before but most of the the behavior I guess you could say was I mean, there's there was a lot of porn, but there's 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 less consequence to the to another person, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but regardless of that, there's also there's more there's like lines almost that you draw, and it's it's they're odd lines, um. It doesn't make any sense, but they still exist. So, when you're single, um, before we got married, you know the the lines were heavier on, you know, don't pay for sex because the thin line was. I mean, you could have sex with anyone and not you not cheating on anyone, right?
2: You mean like when we were so, just dating or before? No, 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 no. Okay. Before I met you. Gotcha.
0: Right. So I'm talking about just years of of freedom, I guess you could say, to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't much um, time spent paying for sex and using hookers and that type of thing where um, there were definitely, you know, fun times at, uh, you know, massage parlor, that type of stuff but from a, from a standpoint of, of habits and, and behavior, there was less of that in my twenties before we met. Um, I didn't really travel for work, but I was gone. Um, and you know, we had gone out to a brewery and, and old habits kicked in and ended up at a, Back in a hotel room with a girl you know there's that that feeling in the pit of your stomach like wait a minute I can't do this because I'm married and that's all it took for a very long time to to in the I guess you could say the physical realm not do anything but I always separated the physical world so to speak from porn right and but it's so dangerous because that cycle just creeps back up and it was years um and i'm gonna get my dates a little bit off but i mean we got married in 2014 Mm -hmm. and the first time i i crossed that boundary of paying somebody um Boy, I think it was probably twenty seventeen.
2: We were living in Cave Creek.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I remember the whole time just being completely, almost numb to it. Um. I intended on it. It wasn't a mistake. Right. Um. You know, we were had a fight. Almost wanted to feel if it made me feel guilty. Um, and all along I hadn't stopped porn anyway so it's like I wasn't you know it wasn't like some sort of
2: the porn was a stepping stone almost
0: maybe but what I'm saying is like it's not like I I went you know like a a heroin addict sometimes they stop for a number of years and then they go back and they go stronger and then they die right Right. where I hadn't stopped the point it wasn't wasn't I had been sober or clean of everything for a number of years
1: right but just,
0: in this category, I had for a number of years, right? You know, um, because there there was a large gap. You know, I wasn't. There was plenty of time in my late twenties where I hadn't paid for sex or gone to a massage parlor. I mean, that was an earlier,
2: right? There was a life type thing, there. so there's
0: a gap there where right. it's just all just you know. Um, again, I was. It's almost like growing up. You you just you have a limit, and the limits did start kind of self occur to start occurring in my life. Where the, but it's almost like I, I wanted to cross back into that. Um,
2: and we got into a fight. And I didn't care. And left, and yeah. So it was like a perfect. Mm-hmm. And did you feel guilty? Of course.
0: Yeah, of course. And then um, a couple other further times when I was out of town, then because it that i knew that i could do it without um i don't know what the right word is uh, not without regret because there's a ton of regret there and you hate yourself hmm. i mean but it was like a possibility and the world didn't crumble so to speak
2: right but it kicked the door open for it
0: it kicked the door open for it and it wasn't like it was right away it was a bit later again and then a bit later again. Yeah. And then time I mean I didn't really end up at a massage parlor again until much later. Right. Um but it's usually, you know, when when I'm gone and when there's been too much alcohol drank and I am old and I don't have two things on my side, which is the energy that I used to, right? Right. But I also um. Still have that weird line of well, I'm married, so there's no. There's no. There's there's no way to live with myself if, it was an organic activity with somebody, like if you picked somebody or up an emotional bar. thing or something like that, uh-huh. right? It's just a transaction. Right. Uh, when it becomes transactional, it becomes just kind of an easy fix so to speak hmm. um, and again never in a, any way shape or form seeing it or thinking about it as an addiction um, but the, the guilt like nothing could be settled uh, y- you know that you know I could have struck a big deal and we could have got two million dollars paid off all our debt uh, moved to Hawaii and I was still would have been miserable right there's, it's, you, you live in a place of you cannot have peace mm. because you know that this is happening. Right. Well, but I am, had been and so good at not just lying but also justifications of those lies that there's just no way even when confronted to admit guilt. And so, I mean, I remember... I mean, shoot! You saw messages. I I made up some story of how it was like from so many years before, and right. these people still had my number. And I mean, just the stuff that I would do or you told say me. to get out of any confession or having to confront right. it with you was just constant and immense.
2: Right? Like they had, like, yeah. No, I remember. I remember the stories you telling me that. You had put your number in but didn't follow through on it, and it turns out that you had. Oh, or, yeah. <sighs> but, but before that, it was, well, you know, I gave my number out to... And this is how I found out about this being mm-hmm. part of your past. Mm. Was that you told me, well, you know, I did all these things in my past, and these people, you know, they just keep selling your numbers. And, I mean, I'm... Naive and gullible enough in the fact that if you tell me something to my face, I believe you and that has gotten me into a lot of trouble And I have believed a lot of people that were probably just lying to me But I believed you when you like I believed it when you said well, you know, they just hey I had my numbers and they must have just continued selling them to their dirty places, but I mean I also There was a hint of that sounds made up and the part of me that wanted to believe you squashed that it's like nah It's totally legit And then we just move on Hmm. because it was so much easier than pushing further and confronting something I don't think I was ready to face yet. Because had we come to this point in our marriage at any point before this year, I would have left you. Right. We wouldn't be having a podcast right now. Mm -hmm. I would have left you and taken your children and we wouldn't have Boone and we wouldn't be here. Right. So.
0: Right. And so just the, the impossibility of, I mean, it's just impossible to... To, I mean I'm stumbling through talking about it right now just to, just to t- come to words with it even especially when pressed just wasn't an option it just wasn't there for me right. like I just couldn't do it and
2: I did press you often. yeah
0: I just couldn't do it I and mean, I think even I remember was it driving here? moving here? there was a conversation I feel like anyways um, and so I mean just to complete everything you know It weighs heavy. It weighs very heavy. Um, And this past June was a time where I was really struggling. Right. Um,
2: And I was trying to do our taxes. hmm. And I was asking you all these questions about all this food. I feel like that triggered it. Because it was a consumption thing. You were like, and that's how we got on the conversation that night that you got so upset. And like, I think you slept on the trailer. Mm -hmm. you slept on the trailer but I had been pressing you like what are all these charges for food why are you how is it that you personally are consuming a thousand dollars worth of food in a month when the kids and I you know we're not doing like half that like what is going on and you were like well I I just consume I consume things I have habitual consumption Mm -hmm. even even right down to how much water you drink and stuff like that and I think that just kind of it peeled back the layers just enough that I think you felt like you were being seen. And so that night, you got really upset. I was afraid I was going to lose you. I was afraid you were going to kill yourself. I was completely freaked out. And you slept in the trailer. My parents were in town, so I was just, like, trying to do all the things and not let anything drop. And then the next day, you said something on, the, on, on text, and I said why don't you just tell me, and then we'll just get through it. And so, I mean, you did. You told me a lot.
0: Kind of. Yeah. But even that, you know, it's just so typical. You can't you can't actually uncover it. It's mm. just still, I'm going to do enough so that I feel better. It's not really about telling the truth or about really uncovering who I am or getting clean. It's just, like, get it off my shoulders maybe it'll work right. so i can feel a little better so i'm not like kind of living a lie or whatever
2: maybe i won't feel as guilty
0: yeah lighten the load a little strangely then um it did that's not the strange part <laughs> um but it did do that right right and um yeah, and that relationship you were happy amazing about that well For yes yes and no But it still wasn't true. So it's hard for me to say it It was amazing because I still knew. Right. It was still only kind of amazing (laughs) because I still had more to say.
2: Which I figured out pretty quickly.
0: And not just did I have more to say, but eventually then started again. Right. Um, Which is when it really all crumbled.
2: Yeah, like it. Um, like you talked about heroin addicts, how they take a pause, yeah, and then they hit it so hard they almost die. I mean, right. like that was you in November. That was the die, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, and then so I mean, everything did die, right? I mean, everything did die. Um, <laughs> as a result, you know, in a kind of a roundabout fashion that I lost both jobs that I had, both good, um, almost a. a, a um, like a perfect combination of two different dream jobs all at once. Right. That could have culminated in something um, pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I didn't lose you. No. Um almost. And I think, you know, if there was um You know the biggest catalyst for the change is simple Um, and that is that feeling I was talking about before where you know you couldn't have any peace because you knew it was still there sure and in June it was still there because I hadn't said everything
2: Mm -hmm. which is why I could still coming out
0: with everything and then dribbling you know in not dribbling uh, like little things still dripping in sure that hadn't even i hadn't even remembered uh-huh. but just being able to just fill in the gaps instead of like oh well i guess i'll wait another 5 months to confess those three things mm-hmm. that i just thought of like it was kind of daily after that right and you um, did a really good job of continuing where it was just i mean that's that's really the biggest catalyst for the change now is that it is almost like a um it's almost like a soberness of you know not drinking. It's like you want to keep it going. Yeah. Once, once you get there, like the you cross that, then don't go back. Right. And so it's like I, I, after how long, years really uh, with you, but also you know twenty five plus years for myself in my mm-hmm. own heart have crossed that. Why go back? And so it's now it's continued into the other end of just, you know, in June I didn't allow Meredith to say anything to anybody. It's just between us. Used all those excuses, you know, I wasn't ready to be seen in that way. Where in November it was totally different. It was, please do, tell, um, right. I'll tell. Which strangely enough is what turned into the first loss of job, which turned into the second loss. But um, that's okay um is all supposed to work out that way. Right. And here we are, you know, um when you just talk about my story, there's just you know it it feels different, but I'm still the same person. So so my story is mm-hmm. one of just Um, torturing myself with... um, I don't know how to explain it. It is... I'm trying to sum it up so I don't just go bonkers here with time-wise with talking about myself and how I operate, but... um, Meredith will have no issue answering a question directly exactly how it is so if we have one dollar in the bank she'll tell you that if you ask <laughs> where yep. me i'll find my way around it and you won't know if i have a dollar in the bank or a million dollars in the bank but it'll all be meant to hide the reality so that we don't get there we're not going to actually get there and I don't know if that's a good enough analogy, but that's just how we differ. And that's just how, you know, for me, my story is like just filled with those types of occurrences or instances. And, and this is kind of part of that. It's, um, how are you doing? I'm great. You know, I, I I am always okay after having never really been okay.
2: I just assume people actually want to know whether I am or not, and then I tell and them. And
0: Meredith will say that she's not okay.
2: <laughs> I won't just tell you I'm not okay. I'll tell and you so why. So this is,
0: you know, part of a. This is a specific side of that story. There's other parts too, but this is mostly about, you know, trying to get to a conversation an overall conversation and conversation with other people about um, this specific category in marriages of how to move forward, how to. Live together. How to forgive um, when you're not feeling very graceful, um, et cetera. But I just wanted to say, you know, that I mean, my my whole life has been a um, an attempt to hide, and so I guess that that attempt is just over. And so I think in saying that Paul tells story, I think I mean honestly, the story is being told now. Sure. Um, as we go, I don't. I don't want that to be all I've ever done in the last twenty five years, and I don't think it is. But no. we're just not really here to talk about those things, so I don't need to focus on them.
2: So, what finally made you decide to tell me everything when you did? Like in that moment, was it that I had been really pressing on it?
0: I had been feeling a um, pretty deep burden. To live in truth for the family, honestly, you know and to it's strange how it all connected like I, I started I'm gonna use the term using again, you know and in in November, I never physically actually went through with anything um, as far as contacting hookers, but only contacted, never actually had one come right
2: you attempted right. on several occasions but yeah it didn't come to fruition
0: but along in the exact same time what was happening in my heart was a need to feel a, a a greater sense of leadership in our faith for the family and so those two things couldn't exist side by side right and and not only could they not exist side by side i mean one one um
2: you had to kill one, the
0: one night, in, yeah, I mean the 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 night in June was something that I remembered very clearly, and I never wanted to get to that place again. Right, where um it would have been more severe because if I if I because again our, our our relationship hasn't been nearly rooted enough in our faith and our relationship with God.
2: It hasn't been at all.
0: Right. Until now. And so feeling that bad in June wasn't necessarily even like, I'm trying to be righteous over here, but I'm really this person over here. Mm -hmm. And then I started to feel that potential, I guess you could say, in November, where if I pretended for three more months and actually did increase a, a, a faithful or more righteous kind of existence that it would have been worse just mental repercussions if i had carried on that behavior and then oh yeah cuz i knew at some point it's going to fall apart
2: it would have been disastrous i
0: learned enough at least over the years that it was going to fall apart and i'd rather it was almost like i didn't want to I, I couldn't build it up too high in faith to have it come tumbling down further mm-hmm. you know where it's like yeah. we got to cut this all off right now And start at the bottom and I have to choose which one of these is going to kind of be prevalent in my life I mean they're not going to be a a righteous servant and continue this while still hiding it Mm. (laughs) or I am going to and if I am it's all got to come out and I got to take the risk of losing Meredith whether it's forever or a short period of time not to mention the kids
2: that was gonna be my next question Um, In your mind, when you typed that email to me, what did you expect to happen next? What did you think my reaction was going to be?
0: I didn't know. You know, unfortunately, I had experience with this before. (laughs) These conversations weren't, this this wasn't out of the blue for Mm -hmm. you.
2: Right.
0: Which is very unfortunate. (laughs) But... I knew this time was different because it was all there. Or at least I attempted, you know...
2: Right to the best of your ability. Yeah, I mean, there were
0: a couple of things I remembered after, but... um, But I wasn't sure at all. I, I knew that I... Excuse me. I knew that I wanted... I wanted the right thing to happen and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what it was because so I'm not stupid obviously and I see other people and and it's pretty easy to see a lot of times that part of a rock bottom is the loss of your significant other for a good amount of time or forever
1: right
0: and so it was almost like I didn't know if I was allowed to start recovering if you were still around Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, because so many different stories and, and maybe someday other stories that we hear together include that loss. And right. it's almost like I don't feel like it's fair to me to not experience that. So it wasn't like I was wishing for it to happen, but it was wondering that if, if you're with me, how and forgive me. have I hit rock bottom or not?
2: Right. Could the change be strong enough? And
0: then it's almost like sabotaging it to force yourself into a rock bottom where you're not allowed (laughs) to restart. It's really weird stuff.
2: I wondered about staying with you. I Mm. mean, I talked about it with a couple people. Like, if I stay, am I enabling him? Am I um, making it so he won't be able to recover fully? But hmm. I mean, I just kept feeling this insistence in my heart, and it wasn't of my own making, but it was very clear that this is where I needed to be, that this is where we needed to be together. And I just, <laughs> I said, I think I've said it to you a couple times. I wasn't willing to let Satan take any more from me. And he has taken a great deal especially over the last two years and just my life in general. And it's between the feeling of my heart saying stay and an insistence that Satan doesn't get to have more of my pieces. Oh.
0: Yeah, you know, and so really for the first time ever, I could feel uh, a, a physical presence of the lord like in our house hmm. it's, it's an odd thing hmm. um but it is unmistakable i mean i spent a good part of my adult life rejecting the notion that um there could be that much strength in a um in, in, in a faith you know in in being such a practical person have a difficulty of you know it's like when you fall in love your parents say oh you'll know when you know you'll know when you know Uh, it's all the same thing in this in in this experience like I, i i think my whole life i have had that attitude towards when will leading a christian life be real and then the response kind of always like, well, you'll know when you know. Like it's it's risky, but it's almost kind of how I've I've always known that there will be a time where it becomes real. Um, and and that's not to say that I haven't greatly valued the upbringing that I had or the rooted foundation in it. Sure. Um, but a lot of times it does make it harder because you take it for granted. It's just part of what you had in your whole life.
2: Right. Is this um, real or is this just how I've always felt? But
0: it got really real as a result of your ability to forgive me because it was supernatural. It's not what the world would tell you to do.
2: It wasn't what I was feeling the night you came home.
0: And then not giving a shit. I don't know if we're supposed to say that on a Christian podcast. But, Whoops. Um, you know, it's just poop. Honey. Beep that out, I guess. <laughs> it's for adults. Yeah. Right, this Everyone is for adults. will be fine. <laughs> we... <laughs> we're talking about being genuine if anything is genuine we swear a lot um
2: <laughs> we're gonna try not to
0: but to not give a crap about losing the job like I, I had no negative I I I felt bad that I had let down the people who I think had high hopes for me sure um and had just been discussed pretty pretty recently the hopes those mm-hmm. high hopes and and painted a really bright future one that i never thought even you know 10 years ago was something i could even be a part of um but i didn't it's nothing i didn't care but i felt no attachment to it because the reality was is that i had everything that i needed and and in a strange way it almost made me feel guilty because i did have that and we kind of touched on that but Um, I felt better
1: Mm -hmm.
0: about having less and understood so clearly why I hadn't in my life been granted more. Um, And just this clarity of existence Something that I have searched for kind of my whole life Hmm. was there. And it wasn't there because of me. It was there because of your attitude towards me and forgiveness. Not to say that it was easy. I don't want anyone to think that all of a sudden, you know, there were rose petals all over our bedroom floor and butterflies (laughs) were flying around. It was tough times. yeah. Um, And still, you know, how will we provide? How will we get through but it's happening and and so but just the the understanding that this had to happen exactly how it did yeah and straightening out all of this mess into a a linear kind of future of all of this crap boiling into one simple notion to let go of it hand it over kind of release hmm. and that that's okay and even if we get a bunch of bad comments still how could you why wouldn't you leave all those things like it it doesn't matter sorry it doesn't matter human right. opinions don't matter human advice human it just doesn't matter we are rooted now in this Fight, I guess you could say, and I mean to say, it's changed our life is an understatement. Yeah. Um. So, in a lot of ways, you know, this is a a discovery now of what what living life in the open looks like, but also living life as followers instead of dictating our own future.
2: Looks yeah. like, cause that's been disastrous for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we got to. Um, I didn't really care what other people said about my forgiveness. I didn't want to forgive you. I was very angry. And then I wasn't. And that's not to say that I haven't had moments of anger and bitterness and resentment since then. When I think about times Mm -hmm. that you were on the road and I was at home doing all the chores and taking care of the kids and cooking all the meals. And I just want to like throw things at the wall because it was so hard. And you would gripe about things around the house. And I was like, you know, I'm working my butt off. And then to find out that I'm not a
1: griper, come on.
2: then i find out that you know all of these things were happening wow i was in like the worst moments of my life but now we're just both at it doesn't matter what anybody but god says for me or for you or for our marriage and that's the true for me the heart of the story isn't the things that you did it's what a gift it has been in our marriage, which Mm -hmm. sounds crazy. I know that it sounds crazy, but you doing these things that completely rocked our world that ended our marriage really um, kind of before it began, we've just been two people living together, having a family together, but the true heart of a marriage wasn't there. There wasn't honesty There was infidelity. So, I mean, we've had to start over from ground one. And the last three months have been, I mean, the best three months of our marriage. Because there isn't hiding anymore. There's not half-truths and everything's fine. None of that exists anymore. When I have a question, I ask you and you answer it. When I'm acting cagey and you want to know why, I tell you. And then you don't let me get away with letting it ruin the rest of our day. I see you making eyes. <laughs> you made a face at me like I don't sometimes come around quick enough, and that's probably true. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, this has been such a gift. And it's been a gift because if you hadn't done those things, I wouldn't have had to forgive you and I wouldn't have gotten to understand, like, like Paul said, it was a supernatural feeling. And the forgiveness has been for both of us. So, I don't know. I can't be, I can't find a way to be unhappy about it. And I'm just really mm. grateful that God used it as a way for us to put our marriage where it needed to be, which was in him. And it took... I mean, obviously we're slow learners, right? Because it took being kicked directly in the head for us to shift. Mm-hmm. But now we have, so now we get to have this awesome marriage, and everything else will fall into place the way it's supposed to. Yeah, because we let God lead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now we get, you know, through some of the just the the, uh, the this is what happened type. Conversation. I think the next one will be some of that on your side, right? With your own history and story. Oh, yes. Um,
2: Lest you think that Paul's the only one with skeletons in his closet, although his were right, residing in his closet. Mine are probably like standing on the lawn, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Most of them. And anything that isn't will probably come out in the next episode. <laughs> So thank you for tuning in and and listening. Um, As we said in our intro podcast, our goal with this is just that our message reaches somebody. Um, One of my favorite people in the world says your mess becomes your message. And definitely this is our mess. Hopefully it is becoming a message that will reach somebody that needs it. If you're out there thinking that you've done all these horrible things and there's not redemption for you, we're here to tell you that there definitely is. It's just a matter of you accepting that. So thank you again for listening. And um,
0: so. um, Sorry to interrupt as you were. No, you're fine. Leading us out here, but. We'll talk a lot about you next time, but then after that, you know, um, I think the real format is going to be a, a couple of topics here and there that we just discussed together and mm-hmm. talk about what your um, kind of new mission is. Right. How to incorporate my story into a mission right. thing and make it an interesting thing to listen to, but also just be a part of. That's really our goal. Yeah. Here is to create a space where listening brings action or listening brings comfort or just, you know, we're not just going to list a bunch of things that <laughs> happened in our lives. Bad things we did. Right. So, yeah.
2: Well, and I mean, how we've told you what we've gone through, but we have not touched really a whole lot on how we've gotten through the last three months. Yeah. And so. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been helpful for us to know maybe when we were getting started, how we were going to navigate through this. So we'll hook you up with some of the references and resources that we've tapped into. Um, definitely scriptures that we've honed in on and, and how that's changed our life. And then the people that we've put around us, which I think have been really key, Mm. um, because you are who you're surrounded by. And we have been so blessed by the people we've chosen that have chosen to walk in this with us. And, um, so, yeah, we'll give you some practical things that we went through, things that you can do if you're finding yourself in this situation with your spouse. It is not without hope. Um, I have great hope for the future, and I think that everyone else can as well. So, anyway, we, uh, we hope that you enjoyed this. If you have comments, feel free to send a message via our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, and iHeart Podcasting. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to bringing you more.
0: And it's never too early to subscribe, rate, and review, which is what podcasts are all about when it comes to trying to build them. So if you like it, do a rating. Please. subscribe.
2: Thank you. Thanks.